This is the DX Podcast, proudly presented by Wondrous. Hello and welcome to this edition of the DX Podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Alejandro Varsky, content group leader, FIFA Digital. Hi, Alejandro. Hi, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. Um, many, many thanks for being our guest. Would you mind walking us through where you come from and what your background is? Sure. So um, I'm originally from Argentina, Buenos Aires. Um, I am originally a sports journalist. That's what I studied back in the day. Um, and I live, I've been living in Switzerland for the last seven years, working for, for FIFA Digital, um, even though I started working for FIFA Digital when I was living in Argentina already. So my career there is it's, it's a bit longer than that. Can I just go back a little step and, and ask what, what led you into journalism at all? Yeah, I mean, in Argentina, you know, everybody, we're 44 million people and we all want to be football players. But the truth is not all of us are good enough to get there. So that was, um, I found sports journalism a good way to, to actually stay connected to football. And since I was a kid, I used to read every single newspaper, listen to every single sports radio show. Back in the day, there was no internet or social media, so you didn't have as many uh, options to, to fulfill that need of, of consuming content related to sports. And I guess that led me to, to that career. So you went to go and um, study journalism in Buenos Aires, is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's correct. I did, uh, between 1998 and 2000, I, I did study sports journalism. Um, and then, yes, when I, when I finished, internet was the big thing, uh, disrupting everything down there. So that was the wave and I had to surf it. I mean, digital in, in publishing uh, in, in general has, has been um, you know, a huge uh, disruptor. Um, I feel um, FIFA has been using it to its advantage as well, of course, the digital medium. Yeah, I think, you know, the way of communicating internet has been, and then the social media, it's been such a powerful tool, so disruptive in a way, that it forced every organization, FIFA amongst them, to, to reevaluate how things are communicated. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, my mom would bring me a sports magazine on Tuesdays, and that would be the highlight of my week. Um, and I could only see the goals happening over the weekend on the news on Monday noon, and that was it. Um, so that today, I think, the, the, with the disruption, with the internet uh, disrupting everything, you can communicate directly with fans. That changed the whole ecosystem. It's not like before, you, need, you needed to go to the usual outlets and they would communicate to fans. Now you can communicate directly. And uh, it's a very challenging scenario, but it's also very exciting. You need to reinvent yourself every couple of years. Can I ask what led you then to work for FIFA in Buenos Aires? Yes. So back in the day, um, when I was very young, I managed the content of the Diego Maradona's website. And then um, Argentina hosted the Under-20 World Cup in 2001. And back in the day, FIFA didn't have a digital department. So they asked the Argentinian FA to run that website. And the Argentinian FA hired a company that hired me um, to run it. I guess they needed someone very young to work, long hours, excited about it. And um, that, was, that was me. And then they got my name. So by the end of 2001, FIFA decided to launch its own digital department. Back in the day, called the New Media Department. 
And they needed someone in Spanish to basically look after all the Spanish content in the, in the Spanish language. And that was me. So you actually left Diego Maradona to work for the FIFA? That sounds uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty heartbreaking, but uh, yes, I, we, could say, we could say that, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, being English, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Diego Maradona, but um, being a, a neutral football fan, of course, he's one of the greatest to ever live. So you went, to, you went to go on to work in Buenos Aires for FIFA? I did that for 11 years, 11, 12 years, yeah. And then you covered football in South America um, for, for the FIFA digital channels. Exactly. So basically, first we launched, or I had to launch the, the website for the World Cup 2002, Korea-Japan. So actually, they hired me in October, and two months later, I was in Korea for the draw, which was a big, big shock for a young kid. And also back in the day, without social media, it was not so normal to see what Korea or Japan would look like. So I remember that being very, very shocking um, in a positive note. And, um, and then I stay, yes, uh, created, like running the channels in Spanish and creating all the content with players, coaches, or everything that was happening in Latin America. And you, I mean, you said uh, back in the day, I think twice already, and it's not that long ago, really. I mean, going back, what's this, uh, 18, 19 years or so, and you, like, there was no social media back then. And uh, I guess for kids nowadays, it's, it's a bit difficult to think of a life before social media and how it's, how it's changed the way that we communicate. And, um, you know, right now, these huge discussions over the impact that Facebook is having also on politics. Um, how, how do you, I mean, you've really kind of been at the epicenter of this, of this change. Um, what has it meant for you in a, as, a, as a, you know, a sports journalist, someone that wants to communicate something um, towards the rest of the world? Um, how has it impacted your um, life? Obviously, severely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite impressive. I mean, I was, I was very lucky. If, if, if you think about my career, I think I was at the right time, at the right place. Um, you, know, in the, you know, I finished my journalism uh, school and then all the positions in TV were taken and then it's this new thing, it's a website stuff coming up. Um, I remember journalists back in the day looking at us like the internet kids and a bit like, you know, looking down to us. Um, I remember the joke like, ah, I will unplug your computer and you won't be able to work, you know, these kind of things that we were going through. Yeah. Um, and you're right, I mean, I said a lot back in the day because as you just stated, um, in what we do, our field has changed so much. It's been so drastic, the, the change, so drastic, that um, it looks like it's been like three, three lives ago, not, not 19 years ago. But going back to your question, yeah, it, it changed it completely. But it changed also, I mean, I never thought I was going to end up working in, in, in what, I, what I'm doing right now. I thought I was going to interview people on TV. Um, and I found myself doing something completely different. I think it's a bit the beauty of it, um, also the challenge, because... The change is really, really big every two, three years. And things that you're doing now and you might be good at right now in three years might be non-relevant no more. Um, so, you know, as I said, I think it, it, it's a challenge, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to reinvent your career, to avoid getting bored of what you're doing and to stay awake so you don't get stuck um, into your comfort zone, which is not easy. I'm not going to say it's an easy task, um, but it's, it's something that I enjoy. And, and do you think... Um you were saying that the change, the shift in the different channels and, and how we communicate might be different in, in two years than it is now. Of course, um, things develop in a, in a forwards direction. Um, 
is FIFA an organization that would um, automatically then think, okay, we need to use TikTok and, and all these new um, types of, of channels as well? Or are you relatively um, cautious um, in, in what kind of channels uh, you use for your digital digital com communications well i mean um, i mean here is it's uh, it's me alejandro talking like not, not not fifa i think i personally think that it's important to have a strategy before you launch platform uh, it is important to be there soon uh, because the one that's there first usually gets more attention but um to us it's, it's very important to make sure that when you launch a platform you actually have content to feed that platform um i think it looks worse to have a pla abandoned platform that having uh, that, that joining the platform late. I'd rather join late, but with a, with a concrete plan that being there first and then abandon it for, for two months. So it, it's all connected to the audiences you're trying to target. Um, you know, you just mentioned TikTok. If you want to establish a connection with a fan base that is rather younger, it, it's probably a good one to be. But at the same time, you need to use music and you need to use a lot of behind the scenes. And we're not a club. Like, we don't have, I mean, I talk of someone who works in content. I don't have 23 players to produce content from Monday to Monday. So those, those decisions, as tempting as they might be, need to be properly studied. And, and also, like, in, as a whole in the company, so it's, it's not only digital launching the platforms. There is a strategy behind involving other, other stakeholders. Um, but, the, you know, it, uh, you always need to be careful. Sometimes you have some platforms popping up and everybody thinks this is going to be ruling the world for the next five years, and then they get eaten by another platform. Um, I, could, I could think about a few examples in the last couple of years. But um, I, I think it's, it's interesting, and you always need to analyze what's going on in the market, but you need to go out when you have a proper plan. How would you describe the influence that the digital medium has on your day-to-day -day work, um, be it in the way that you communicate towards the outside, um, but also uh, within the company that you work for? Well, I mean, digital took a, um, a central role in the organization uh, a while ago, a few years ago. Um, you know, in the past, you used to communicate mostly, all organizations used to communicate, as we said, more to media, and media would spread the message to fans. Now you can communicate directly, so that adds an extra layer of complexity into this whole already complicated ecosystem. Um, also, you need to understand that each platform has different audiences. I always use the same example, like, you know, my cousin is on Instagram all day and my parents are on Facebook all day. So even if I'm sending the same message, I probably need to shape it in a way that they will basically consume it in those platforms. And it's, it's, it's really complex, but I think it's, it's really gratifying when you get it right. When you hit the keynotes, it's, it's quite gratifying. You are always working towards a narrative as well, right? Um, this this message that um, the you know FIFA also wants to um, provide towards the outside. Um, how do you how do you feel it will influence um, our lives going forwards uh, in day to day kind of digital experience? Um, what do you think the implications will be? Well, and I think they're massive. Um, many people, you know, people usually think that whatever happens in the past was better. Um, and I love nostalgia, not at that level, but I think it, I think it, it changes the way we communicate. Like, you know, you can think about silly examples. Um, I remember I was in a conference not so long ago and I asked to the audience to raise their hands if they were calling their friends on the phone to say happy birthday. And there was like, I would say like five out of a hundred did it. And then I said, who sends just a message on WhatsApp or Facebook and job done? And it was 
the rest, right? The 95%. I think it's, um, it changes the way we communicate. It changes the way we connect to people, um, but not always in a negative way. In my case, for instance, I live away from my country for seven years now, and I feel super close to them. I'm in touch with my friends as if I never left, or my family. Of course, it, it, nothing replaces the face-to-face, but um, I think it's, it's, it, it has a big impact in people's behavior. It is tempting to say it's not good, it's bad. Um, I just think it's different. Definitely. And then also having this experience that um, everyone is currently going through as well, um, having to um, adapt very quickly to these um, you know, the Zoom calls and uh, Google Hangouts and Skype for business. And you know, suddenly huge uh, global corporations are having to deal with um, home office. It's... Uh, you know, something that is actually really easy, but um, and I think you know people are actually really realizing now that it is as easy as we always assumed it would be. Um, just a couple of things that you may have to have uh, organized, um, and now um, people are actually living exactly what um, I think people have been thinking for a while already. Um, so we're adapting very quickly, and um, that's really exciting to see. Um, that people are, are gaining trust also in in the medium um, that they may not have had before, and we discuss this a lot, um, especially here at, at Wondrous. Um, you know, how do we how do we quantify work as well, and and how do you um, you know? I guess it has a lot to do with trust. Um, you know, trusting your employees and trusting trusting the people that you work with um, that they don't uh, abuse um, your your um, maybe less than um, uh, you know, uh, strenuous uh, kind of uh, work regulations, um, and then uh, yeah, I think that was a thing for for a lot of the big companies was that they weren't trusting their people enough to do the home office, and now they've had to, and they realized, oh, actually it works. Um, do you find uh, the same thing um, kind of uh, works for for FIFA as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, personally, I I did work for FIFA as I said before, like twelve years from 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 Buenos Aires. So it was it was already a home office. This is these times of lockdown are kind of like bringing me back to to that. Even even though I told myself I would never do that again, um, I adapted quite quickly to to that to that as well. I think you know, and you and I were talking about this last week as well. Like this period, this is weird COVID nineteen days um, are reassuring that organizations as such need to go through digital transformation. People usually believe that digital transformation is social media, and that's a small, really small part of it. Um, you know, it's having the tools actually, like review your flows, processes, and see how technology can help you to be more effective. And these home office, all these meetings on Zoom, um, we had our, our top management addressing all the employees uh, three weeks ago, a month ago, through Zoom, and it was like 700 people following all the updates. And, you know, that's when you realize that actually you need to be prepared. You never know when you need this kind of, of, of technology to help you. And, and, and many people that were looking at digital transformation as something kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not too sure about it. After this period, probably we start taking it more seriously. Um, for us, working on digital is like the, the bright side of, of a really bad time. Absolutely. The silver lining to the cloud, I guess. Exactly. Um, I mean, talking about the digital experience um, and uh, another thing that we think about a lot, um, what what does it mean for you? I mean, it, it has a, a slightly different connotation for, for most people, um, the, the digital experience. Um, 
kind of maybe depends on what you do or maybe other things that you're passionate about. Um, do you have a, like a concrete kind of thought of what the digital experience actually means for you? I mean, I'm, I'm, I consider myself a, a very digital guy in a way. Like uh, you will see me with my phone everywhere. People around me are not too happy about this, uh, this statement. But um, I'm, I found it very useful. I mean, I think we were discussing before how much technology and, and has impacted our lives. And, you know, I, I always laugh and say, like, I don't understand how people were living before, before Google Maps. I mean, I do remember how I did it. I had the book in the car and I had to look for the streets names. And, um, you know, I had to remember how to get everywhere. I used to remember the phone number of all of my friends. Now I don't remember the phone number of anybody. Um, it, it, it has a big impact in what we do. Um, personally, I, I live with that every day because of what I do. Professionally speaking, I need to be up to speed. So maybe I overconsume it a little bit. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I, you, you wouldn't find, you wouldn't get anything different from me. I think it's a, it, it has a big impact, but I think it's a very positive one. Do you think we could take a moment to discuss maybe your thoughts on, um, linear TV, um, that is obviously very suited to live sport versus, um, the nonlinear TV, um, which uh, Netflix is obviously winning at at the moment. Um, do you think that there's a place in the future where um, football um, or live sports in general really um, can find a place where you can also tap into those like, vast depths of nonlinear content making or content creation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, many, many clubs are launching their own OTT platforms at the moment as we speak. Um, I think Barcelona announced it yesterday and there were already quite a lot, uh, many clubs before that already did it. There is a younger generation that consumes content in a different way and maybe mm -hmm. they don't have the attention to watch 90 minutes. I mean, I think, I think you also need to, need to think differently in the different territories. Like where I come from, Latin America, people are very, very loyal to their clubs and it doesn't matter how bad they are doesn't matter how boring the matches will be, they will watch the 90 minutes and they will buy the shirt. And they, but in other places, that doesn't happen. And people maybe get distracted with other matches or wants to see a concert or wants to see a series. Or, so you need to give them the content in a more snackable way, which means shorter uh, highlights or, 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 different, or, you know, or watching on demand. A lot of people are watching on demand. I think, I think the consumption, it, it is changing. Um, but I'm, I, if I'm not mistaken, the latest reports said that even there is the, the line air TV is like con, kind of like going down a little bit. It's still the leading format. Um, but definitely, I have no doubt that the consumption uh, habits are going to be changing and are going to keep evolving. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point everybody has its own OTT. So how would you see the, the football fans kind of user journey to change over the next couple of years, talking about um, using the different social media channels? Do you think that's something that will influence the, the football fans user journey at all? Yeah, I think, I think that this is uh, forcing clubs and leagues to rethink the, the user, not user, but I've said the fan experience in the stadiums. Big part of the revenues for clubs is uh, selling tickets. And if you don't give fans, especially younger fans, the opportunity to have a proper connection when they, are connect, when they go to the stadium, have like a whole experience that goes beyond the 90 minutes, there is a chance that certain public will stop going to the stadium. I mean, as I said, big clubs have big fans and, and I'm not saying the stadiums are going to be empty or anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if clubs will start working into that as well 
to to provide the chance to fans to actually you know today watching a game especially for a younger generation it's not just the games to be able to uh, be part of the debate on on twitter and post a photo with their friends in the stands on instagram and i don't know they film the goal from the stands and they want to put it on facebook or it's it's it, the experience of such is changing digital is playing a big role into that and if clubs and leagues don't realize that might lose a bit the impact that they have today this is a Definitely a topic where I come from, where you don't have uh, uh, 3G or 4G. So you enter the stadium, you watch the game, you have no connection. Then you leave the stadium and you have like 600 messages coming at, at, at once on, on WhatsApp. And, and that's something that will definitely have an impact in the next five, 10 years if that's not corrected. I mean, you've been in, in football virtually, or no, actually all of your professional life, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I'm, I, you're also a huge football fan, I, I assume. Um, which teams do you support? So I, I support the Argentinian national team, um, of course. And then my, my club in Argentina is uh, River Plate. Uh, do you ever go to any uh, football games in your uh, new hometown in Zurich? I don't. I'm a, I'm a terrible uh, Swiss supporter. I'm, I go to the stadium for concerts, mostly. Well, I have to say, you're not missing much. I have uh, season tickets for FC Basel, and um, most of the time it's it's terrible, but, but you know but, what it's like. But FC Basel is supposed to be one of the strong ones, right? They were. Um, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. okay, we can leave it at that. No, but I, I do follow my team, even if it's three in the morning or something, I, I watch on TV, and I fly back home when it's a big, big game, I, I, I fly back. Okay, that's quite a trip for a football game. Uh, it is. <laughs> um, so, I mean, enough football, maybe. Um, do you have anything else that you are um, as passionate about or generally just passionate about? I mean, is there room for anything else in your life? I mean, I assume you do a lot of traveling as well. I do travel a lot. Um, I must say that, you know, when you, when you start traveling so often, it loses the magic a little bit. You know, many people usually think that you have the best job ever because you watch football and you travel around the world, which is true, but you're also working. So it's not, it's not that glamorous as people might expect. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about the normal things. I, I like all the entertainment industry. I'm passionate about music. I try to travel and follow concerts. Um, and I'm very passionate about food, which uh, at this age is a problem, but um, I still it's try to enjoy it. I can it, you confirm know? that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite restaurants in Zurich yet? I do. In the seven years that you've been uh, living there, I'm, I'm guessing you you do. I do, I do. There's some some nice places with Vietnamese food that I could recommend for anyone interested. Cool. Um, I mean, you moved from from Buenos Aires to Zurich, uh, what seven years ago, right? Yeah. Um, culturally and and denseness wise, uh, two completely different cities. Um, I mean, I love Buenos Aires, by the way. Um, it's uh, such a, an amazing city, like one of the great cities of the world. It is. Um, how long did it take you to adapt? I mean, have you adapted? <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I'm working on it. No, I, um, it took me a while. It took me a while. It was a big shock. I mean, I knew Zurich before because, because of my job. I was coming here once or twice a year, uh, and I knew some people. So it's not like I came just uh, trying to, to discover what it was about. But moving my life here was a, was a big shock. I mean, culturally speaking, um, here everything is very organized, very tidy, very structured, which is great. But uh, I was missing a lot the spontaneity. This, this, um, this, this you know, I, I always said in Switzerland, the, the email save the date always makes me feel super like itchy and uncomfortable because I'm, I'm, I'm not good at that. 
Um, but uh, but there's a lot of things to love about it as well. You know, it's a safe city, it's a safe country, stable. Um, it has a lot of the things that we miss back home. We've talked about where you came from and, and where you are right now. Um, any thoughts on, on where you might be going? Um, any uh, direction that you're headed in that um, you're, you're really interested in and you'd like to follow? Um, maybe a, a new hobby or some, something that might, might lead you in a new direction for, for where you're going professionally? Well, at the moment, to, to be fair, we're so busy that it's hard to, to think about uh, next steps like that. Um, I do know that um, the next city I move to, whenever that happens, uh, needs to be sunny. Um, so, so weather is going to be definitely a, a big part of it. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really open. I mean, as I said at the beginning, I was never, when I started, I never thought I was going to end up living here and doing what I'm doing now, which I love. So it's difficult to... to program uh, what's going to come next so I'm, I'm just open to to see what sounds good you're doing everything by instinct and it sounds like you're doing uh, everything well <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying not always successfully but i try <laughs> great um well i mean thank you so much for taking your time to shed a little bit of light on your um career in in football um it's no. been a pleasure talking to you no my my, my pleasure thanks thanks for the invite and uh, we're in touch for sure the end of this digital experience podcast thanks for listening for further information about us please head over to weirwondrous.com